Hi, this is John Kennedy from uh, the New Jersey Manufacturing Extension Program. Uh, and we're here with our show. It's called uh, Manufacturing Partnerships, uh, Making Waves. I always explain that the waves are positive waves, or at least that's our goal here. And, uh, you know, this show is, is on uh, Manufacturing Talk Radio. I always brag about Lou Weiss and Tim Grady because... They own a manufacturing company and decided that they weren't being heard, the industry, so they created their own radio. Uh, and uh, the station really focuses on, uh, on manufacturing and a lot of issues. Uh, today, we have a pretty interesting uh, guest uh, from the great state of Georgia. Uh, and her, her name is DC. And I'll let her pronounce her last name because I, I don't want to mess it up. Uh, it's a beautiful last name, but what can I tell you? And, and what I really like about DC is some of her background. She, she has a company called New Gen Architects. But what I love about it is a lot of supply chain stuff in there. Um, you know, talking about process improvement, Apex, which I've gone through so many of their programs over the years. Very important stuff because... Yes, this is important to manufacturing companies, but at NGMEP, we do programs, uh, you know, lean Six Sigma process programs for law firms and accounting firms and so on. Uh, I leaned out my garage, which to my, uh, my wife and son's chagrin, you know, they didn't particularly care for that. And, and the other thing I really like is, is, is the Black Girls Rock uh, program that uh, DC is involved with because I love that type of work where we're, we're engaging with younger people and trying to advance that them into, you know, making good career choices, making good educational choices. So uh, long story short, uh, DC, why don't you give us a couple minutes spin on, on you and, and your company and, and go from there. Yes, um, thanks for having me. Um, I will go ahead and start with the last name. Uh, it's Spregula, so you have to roll the R, pronounce all the consonants. <laughs> um, but I, I um, started New Gen Architects uh, last year, and it was actually born, <clears throat> excuse me, it was um, born out of a need that I saw for a lot of businesses um, during the pandemic as they were starting to finally not necessarily understand the need for technology improvements and technology implementations. Uh, digital transformation is not a new term. It's been around for years now, um, but a lot of companies were kind of kicking the can down the road. And then last year when everything you know, was remote and people were stuck at home, a lot of companies started to understand, okay, we can't kick this can down the road anymore. But they also realized that they didn't really know where to start and the direction that they needed to go. So I started Nugent Architects, um, an architect from the idea I actually used to be in technology implementation, so solution architecture and business architecture. Um, so I like to say we're a business transformation agency and we provide business and digital architecture advisory services um, for companies that are looking to uh, uh, scale their retail and direct-to-consumer operations 
through supply chain transformation. Um, it's, it's very interesting that you um, mentioned uh, APICS and manufacturing supply chain because I found that when I talk to a lot of people, they separate, like in their mind, supply chain is one thing and then manufacturing is one thing and then procurement is one thing and then like logistics and warehousing is a separate thing. Um, so I have tried to maybe start to change my terminology a little bit to say product operations, because for whatever reason, when I call it product operations instead of supply chain, people realize, oh, so you're talking about all of that stuff. Um, because from my perspective, you know, having gone through the CSCMP program and having that certification, for me, supply chain is anything that falls within that, like innovate, source, make, deliver, return, you know, the cash flows, the people, all of it is supply chain. Um, so if you are a manufacturer, you are in supply chain. If you are a distributor, you are in supply chain. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, kind of making this career change out of sales and marketing and coming into the supply chain world, it was always like, oh no, like I'm in logistics. I'm not in supply chain. And I'm like, but you know, the actual delivery of goods and the warehousing of goods is a supply chain activity. Like you are a supply chain company. You know, the same with manufacturing, you are making product. Um, so you are a supply chain company. Um, so we, we work with small and medium businesses as well as startups to uh, help them understand that while you are not, you know, a billion dollar enterprise, you might not be Apple, you might not be Coke, you might not be Nestle, that is absolutely 100% sure, but there are just fundamental product operation processes, roles, technologies that you can afford that will help you gain a competitive advantage and keep you in business, um, and you will be able to um, compete and scale and grow. Uh, so I, I work in that realm to help companies realize, look, I've worked with these big companies, but you too can be great. There are absolutely um, tools and resources and human capital out there that can help you to achieve your strategic um, business objectives. Well, that's a, that's a mouthful and that's some good stuff. And I, I, I like the way you're saying that. I agree with you wholeheartedly, which should scare you. Uh, you should check with your mom and dad to see if we're related. Uh, because uh, I look at manufacturers, but when I look at manufacturing, it's supply chain. It's all these pieces that come in because if one piece drops off, it doesn't work. And that's the whole entire supply chain. Uh, maybe I need to start using your term. And uh, you know, hearing about you, you, you know, you you probably should uh, connect with a lot more MEPs because you would be make your company would make a great resource to us. Uh, you know, while we had, in New Jersey, I have a team of about fifty professionals that are all over the state. There's eleven thousand manufacturers in our little state, so. We also have to have a resource team to, to come up with it. And that's companies like uh, New Gen Architects. Uh, and I like the way you used architects. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, I would love to, that's, that's really, that's why I'm here. That's why I started the company um, was really for reach and education, because in the last couple of years of being a consultant and working with, um, you know, enterprise companies and even working with some smaller private companies that fall in that, you know, 100 to 500 million revenue band. And maybe they've been around for decades, family owned companies. Um, but what I was seeing a lot of as a consultant is that I had the time because that was technically what my job was as a trusted advisor, as a thought partner. I am supposed to know the latest and greatest. I'm supposed to know all the technologies. I'm supposed to know all of the potential strategies, the pros and the cons, what works for you know some industries might not work for other industries and what's working great in another maybe not seemingly related industry could very well also work in your industry, but you didn't want to consider it because like, oh, I'm not in CPG or I'm not in pharmaceuticals. Um, but what I was seeing is that the people working in the companies, yes, they are very smart people. They are very well aware of what's happening, but they don't have the time to do the research and go to all the conferences and talk to all of the subject matter experts because they're trying to keep the lights on. You know, in the case of manufacturers, they're trying to actually make product. <laughs> so there are only so many hours in the day. And what ends up happening is that companies can either make product or they can figure out how to do things better. But do they have the time to actually do both? Realistically, no. So a lot of times I see um, that companies have their resources and their human capital putting in weekend hours or putting in overnight hours. And when we come in and we do an initial assessment to just say like, hey, what are you doing every day? What are you, you know, how many hours per week are you working? Um, it's almost normal and accepted that they're going to be working 60 to 70 hour weeks. You know, that that's, you know, that's just what I do. But then you also have to start to think about how productive is that person after X number of hours, you know, just like you don't run a machine and expect it to just go forever and ever and ever. You're going to give it downtime. It has to be pulled off the line so that you can do maintenance and it has an expected usable life. But for whatever reason, when we look at our human capital, we just expect them to just keep going, going, going. And then once people burn out or when there are, you know, human errors, everyone's like, oh, what happened? You know, well, well I didn't see that coming. Um, so it's, it's just, um, it's a time right now in supply chain, in logistics, in manufacturing, uh, industry 4.0, the fourth industrial revolution has, again, another term that's been around for forever, but there are many, many, many thousands of companies that have not truly been ushered into that revolution. And now that they were thrust into it because of the COVID pandemic, plus tons of other disruptions that all happened at the same time. Um, they're, you know, scrambling to understand what does this mean for us? And it's a great time for a company like Nugent Architects or any other company that truly has a duty to care to the customers, that truly understands the business processes, understand all the different technologies 
and the industry verticals to help provide, again, that thought partnership, brainstorming, not to say this is what you should be doing, listen to me, but to seek to understand before seeking to be understood. So let me figure out what you are doing right now. Let's figure out what the ideal state is, understand why you're doing what you're doing, and then together let's figure out how to get you into the next step, whether it's technology, whether it's people, whether it's upskilling, whether it's an organization restructure, whether it's looking at your external partners and figuring out, you know, how do you create better strategic partnerships? Because you can do a lot of stuff internally, but if you have core strategic partners that can't keep up, you're only going to get so far. Um, so it's really just a lot of education and partnering that we try to do. We don't come in and say, do as I say, I am the consultant, I am all knowing, because we're not, you know? Well, that doesn't work for most consultants, uh, you know, in businesses. As a long-term former business owner, if, if you came in and told me you knew my business in about 20 minutes, I'd probably politely ask you to leave. So exactly. <laughs> so, so, so you want to listen to, it. You, you know, I, I like you know the points that you're making, and then one of the problems as we were discussing before we we started recording is that most of the manufacturers are small. You know, they're in New Jersey and across the country, they're somewhere around thirty people, and and, and that's the average. That's not the you know. So for every Coca Cola down in Georgia. You know, there's, you know, a Zago uh, in New Jersey, which is a wonderful company, but they have 20 people, um, you know, so that's things that they deal with. And you're right. You got to, you know, you got to find the time to do these things. Um, and I actually, we have learned because uh, we work with so many companies that a lot of them have taken industry 4.0 and, and the ERP systems and so on seriously and invested in them. But it's difficult, as you say, you know, I mean, how many hours in a day you want to give people, you want to give yourself downtime, uh, but it's difficulty in hiring. And, and as you mentioned, pandemic, and again, we were discussing offline, you know, uh, to me, you know, some of the woes of workforce, especially in my industry, uh, you know, STEM and manufacturing, they were exasperated to some degree by uh, the pandemic, but they've been around for a while. Uh, what do you see? What do you think, DC? I, I do agree that um, a lot of what is going on now is not new. It is something that is being like the spotlight is shining very brightly. <laughs> Um, now because of everything that's been happening. Um, but I think that, and, you know, kind of how we talked about, there are so many different moving pieces. And we also kind of talked about Six Sigma and just like, you know, core theories and tools that you use to figure out, you know, how to improve processes and things like that. So what makes me think uh, is, you know, it makes me think about the five whys. You know, you learn in school, well, why this, why this, why this? And you keep going down until you find the actual root cause and not just the symptom. Um, so what 
I have seen as being a very common symptom is, uh, excuse me, a very common root cause, not a symptom, is a lack of visibility into the actual operations of the company. So from the planning down to like planning at the top, strategic planning, and how understanding how that affects all the way downstream, the person, you know, packing the product to put it on the dock or pulling it, you know, picking and packing, like very blue collar labor work. There's, there's a disconnect of what, if you say 20 people, what are those 20 people doing? And how does each of their roles affect everything else that's going on? Because when you know what each person is doing and when each person knows what they're doing and why they're doing it, it's a lot easier to make changes because you're considering all of the different changes and those changes could be process related. They could be, you know, reskilling, upskilling people, putting them in different departments. Um, it could be these technology, these ERP changes. The ERP changes in the industry for 4.0 changes end up being so difficult and not providing the value that was expected. You don't get the ROI that you're expecting out of it. And you're way over budget, you're way over time because there's not that visibility into what everyone is truly doing. You know, if I go back to the very basics, value stream mapping, um, understanding all of the processes, swim lane diagrams, things like that. Um, it's something that it ends up being tribal knowledge. So as new people start and as old people leave, there's always that disconnect. And like we talked about, people are just trying to get the product out the door. At the end of the day, you want to fulfill the order. So you lose the time and understanding of what is actually happening at the company. What are all the value add activities? Where's the waste? You know, like what are people doing that they should not be doing? And how do you determine what they should and should not be doing? What does our customer actually want? So what, do, what does our customer want? When do they expect to get the product? What are expected delivery times? What is expected quality? And then you start from there, just like these are our goals and what's the baseline? Where are we now? How do we get there? All of that is overwhelmingly underestimated in as it relates to the time and energy it takes to really understand that. So what happens is from what we've seen is that taking the ERP example, very simply, I need an ERP and I don't truly really understand the backend technology and how all the integrations work because I'm not in IT and I expect the consultant or vendor partner that I'm bringing in to know that. And they're going to advise me on best practices for my industry, for my company size, based off of my processes, et cetera. And uh, I am going to lean on them and their expertise. The technology vendor, the ERP company on the other side says, well, I'm gonna lean on the manufacturer. I know my technology, but I'm gonna lean on the manufacturer to tell me about their business processes and the skill set of their people. And if I have all that information, I can make the correct recommendations. 
Well, if you notice what I just said, both is leaning on the other for critical information that neither has. As the manufacturer, I don't have complete visibility into my processes. I don't know what people are actually doing. So I can't tell the ERP company that. And the ERP company doesn't really know what's happening. So they're just basing their development configuration of this software on what they think is going to be the best for this company, but is probably very far off the mark. So what we end up seeing is, you know, a lot of folks running around like chickens with their heads cut off because they're just trying to do something or they're just doing what they were told to do with no understanding of what that actually means. What's the effect upstream? What's the effect downstream? Um, it, what it means is sometimes there's not a lot of planning of like when shifts are happening. You know, when, when am I going to come, when I'm coming to work, but when I can actually leave. There's a lot of overtime. There's a lot of turnover. That costs companies a lot of money. And until you sit down and again, look at those baseline metrics and understand what everyone is doing, you don't truly understand how much that financial impact is to the bottom line and the growth of the company, but also how it ends up affecting the workforce and how it ends up affecting people. I've, I've gone into companies where they have tons of overtime and they have tons of turnover. And like I've talked to a guy and he said, I literally, I cannot work here regardless of how much they pay me because I don't know what time I'm leaving. My wife is a nurse who works overnights at the hospital, I have to leave. I have to get my kids. I can't work here. So if you think about, you know, anecdotes like that, it doesn't come down to like how much people are getting paid. It doesn't come down to the fact that, you know, there's a workforce shortage because people are lazy. It comes down to, are you creating an environment where people can actually work? where people enjoy working, um, where people don't feel burnt out, where people feel heard, where people understand what the career path is, where people understand what their investment in, the what's in it for me, is that being answered? Um, and I find that the root cause of that is really just visibility to process and day-to-day -day tactical operations and what people are doing. Well, that was a, a good answer, and you answered actually two other questions that I had for you, so that was a good thing. Uh, oh. <laughs> the, the best thing about this show is listening to people like yourself. The worst thing about this show is that, you know, I've got a, uh, uh, a timetable because, uh, you know, the manufacturing talk radio people try to put it in, so I don't want to, and, and as I, I mentioned to you before, one of my favorite things is I have these fast five questions. And, and what I'm at looking for, DC, is just a quick answer. You know, what, okay. what, you know, what is your gut feel on these five questions? And, I'm nervous. No, come on. <laughs> this, is, this is not like Jeopardy. You know, you, you win. Uh, but uh, no, it feels like um, what's the what's the show? Family Feud at oh, the end view. where they have to where they want to win and like you have to get the points my wife yeah. loves that show we watch it almost every night <laughs> <laughs> but these are just just a gut answer a quick answer about what you feel because i do want to go back at the end of the year because I'm, I'm newbie at this stuff 
and look at these answers and maybe bring back some of the people like yourself and say, and have maybe a little panel discussion about what what the answers were. So again, not, not rocket science. Is manufacturing the USA dead? No. Okay. I, I agree with that, but I'm biased. <laughs> Do you think the the uh, the U.S. economy can thrive without manufacturing? No. Okay. The, real quick, is the uh, follow up? Uh, what would be your reasoning? Do, do you think it's a core of our economy? Uh, I absolutely think it's a core of the economy. Um, there are products that need to be made. I don't think that it is realistic. I think that just what kind of everyone has seen is that putting everything offshore, um, especially very far, is not necessarily the most conducive to um, keeping the economy going. I don't even want to say supply chain or manufacturing, like keeping the country going, <laughs> um, making sure that people have everything they need to be able to live and survive. Um, so there absolutely has to continue to be uh, manufacturing in the States. And as I mentioned before, I work with a lot of startups. There are a lot of US-based startups that need their products to be manufactured. They need their products to be made um, and produced. And they don't necessarily want to do that offshore because again, lead times, you know, keep the a, a short supply chain is a happy supply chain. Um, so as companies in the US are looking for investors and looking to scale, looking to grow, they're going to need to be manufacturer stateside. Um, and even as global companies that are looking to expand into the U.S. market, they're going to need U.S. manufacturers stateside to be able to, you know, um, execute on their operations and production as well. So manufacturing is absolutely um, very important and critical to our economy. One of the questions that always tweaks me because part of my role here at MEP, I mean, I'm a good engineer and I'm a decent businessman and I've owned and grown companies. So that I know. One of the things I had to learn here was working with the state and federal government. Uh, really quickly, do you think it's reasonable to convince them that manufacturing's not dead and we need their support to get that out. Yes, I do think it's reasonable. Um, and I think that it is, it's one of the, the things that I don't think a lot of companies do well, especially small businesses. Um, so if you go work at a large enterprise that is publicly traded and has shareholders and they have to justify their decision-making and it has to make dollars and cents. So they have to quantify a lot of information. I don't think small, medium businesses do that well. So 
I, I think about the relationship that you just mentioned of like local, state, federal government and uh, having those conversations, it has to be a mix of qualitative information as well as quantitative information. So the qualitative anecdotes are absolutely necessary to tell the story. But you also have the, have the quant, you also have to have the quantitative information to back that up, to say, this is not a one-time story. I'm telling you this story because it gives life to my numbers. But here is the analysis. This is what the numbers actually say. This is what we contribute to the economy as manufacturers. This is what we contribute from a labor force perspective, from employment perspective, from a GDP perspective. These are all of the numbers. This story I told you gives life to those numbers, but that's not a one-off thing. That is a very small representation of something that is widespread across the country. And if I think about how I go into a company and say, okay, what are the baseline metrics? Like, where are we starting? Before we decide that we're going to make this change, before we decide if this is the right time, we have to determine where we are now. What's the current state? What KPIs are you hitting? What metrics are you? Let's quantify it because it's only going to make sense to make a change if you are if you can show that you're going to improve upon one of these metrics. Because otherwise, why like what's the business case? Other, otherwise, why are you spending money here? If you can't show me that you're going to improve these things, why are we spending money here? has to be the same with the government. What's the baseline analysis? What do the numbers look like? And this is what we need your support in. This is what we need you to do because in two years and five years and 10 years and 30 years, this is what is going to be the benefit to the entire country, to the greater good. This is why you have to care. So as manufacturers, and even a small business, like as a small business owner being, you know, involved with the National Association of Small Businesses and women business owners, um, it's the same conversations. Like you, ha you have to tell the story to the government and show the numbers to say, I'm not just whining and complaining, or I'm not just like, these are not pie in the sky ideas. These are things that actually are actionable and can make change and can affect change. So it's all storytelling. It's all storytelling and supported by quantitative and qualitative answers or evidence. Okay, I said, I, I got a hard stop on our show in two minutes, but I need your, <laughs> I need two more answers from you. Okay, so, go. So outside of workforce development and staffing. Yes. What's the number one issue for our manufacturers to overcome? Visibility. That okay. can be solved by technology and external process, um, external process documentation. That's Next question. Answer. That's a great answer. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. And my last one here, are we gaining enough ground? Meaning is the industry gaining enough ground fast enough in your No, no. Not at all. Um, we There's technologies out there. There are things that are out there that have been around for decades that the industry is not embracing. Um, and that must be done a lot faster. There is an urgency now. 
Um, so that has to happen. Okay, great answer. Uh, I said, I'm sorry to rush you on the last one, but I don't want, I don't, you said so much good stuff. I don't want them to cut anything. Uh, <laughs> and we've been talking to DC and last name DC. Fregola. Uh, I love it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this has been uh, Manufacturing Partnerships, Making Waves, part of uh, Manufacturing Talk Radio's programs. And, uh, you know, this is our 10th show, so I'm a rookie in this too, and uh, had a really good time. But I want to say one more thing about DC. What I really loved about her bio that was given to me is that in her bio, she listed mom as part of her role. And I asked her about her son, Alessandro. Uh, I mentioned that because the two greatest heroes in my life uh, were my mom and my beautiful bride of 40 years. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.